Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. Presented by Mosing Motor Cars. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. Welcome to the show, gearheads. Man, we are excited about tonight's show. We had some fantastic IndyCar racing today. It's going to be a blast to talk about. <laughs> what a way to start the season. I know. And, and, of course, we have the winner of today's race on the show, Sebastian Bourdais. We have him on in just a few minutes. And I'm going to get Jonathan to talk about that here in a second. And, of course, Formula One testing. We're going to talk a lot about that because we had the second test, second round of tests. And we're going to go down and, and talk about every team, the fastest laps they did, kind of do some ranking of the teams. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And uh, and we also got Les, we got Bud Moeller coming on the show. Oh, man. He was out there at Circuit of the Americas with some Ferraris out there having some fun. So. It was Ferrari Challenge, yeah. It was the Ferrari Challenge, which was a great event. You know, if you followed Speed City and some of the things we were talking about, this is the one that was free. You could park in Lot A. You could sit in the grandstands like the big folks do on Formula One weekend. But it was totally free. Yeah, you spent the day out there. Well, this John Massengill. That was Les Kaiser, and that's Jonathan Green. So. Yep. Jonathan, I want you to, I want you to kind of introduce that you did an interview with Sebastian Bourdais about an hour ago, right after you got off the racetrack at Indy. So just introduce that story because there's a lot more than just him winning the race. Well, Sebastian Bourdais uh, resides in St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, that's where he lives. He's lived there for many years. He's a four-time Indy champion. Um, he will go down in history as one of the greatest Indy car drivers, uh, and he's still going strong. But almost, well, less than a year ago, Sebastian Bourdais was involved in a horrific accident at over 227 miles an hour as he was going for pole position. And had he completed the lap, he would have had the pole for the Indy 500. Sadly, though, it didn't come because he went straight into turn two and shattered his pelvis. And it was an accident which, if you saw at the time, was very life-threatening and we were absolutely on tenterhooks as to whether he would walk away. I remember um, watching that. Yeah. And I, I remember sitting there going, I'm not breathing because I'm watching that while it was happening. It was so intense. The irony was Sato had a similar crash at the same corner uh, in that qualifying session, and he went on to win the 500. Obviously, with a broken pelvis, a shattered pelvis, I may add, um, everybody thought, sadly, that Bordet's career was over. But amazingly, and I was there that, that day, he came back on crutches into the garage on the day of the Indy 500 to thank... <clears throat> excuse me, I'm <laughs> thinking yeah. about it. It was pretty impressive. And he came back in front of the team, thanked them all for being there. Obviously, he wasn't racing, but he was brave enough and strong enough to be there at the Indy 500 uh, and witness it. Um, then got back in the car and amazingly completed part of the last, uh, last season, eight months after um, that accident, and today, he's pretty much full circle because he now has won back-to-back -back wins at home at St. Petersburg because he won the first round before that crash, and he's won again today. It was a very dramatic win, and I spoke to him still in his overalls right after the race. Uh, and we also, so we also, we're going to play that interview in the next segment, but uh, 
but I also want to talk about what he said in that interview about being in the hospital and, and the nurse coming in and talking to him and, and just the, the feelings he had about all the, what had just happened to him. So uh, it's stay tuned because we're going to play that interview in the next segment. But um, but I want to jump into Formula One, guys, in this first segment because we got we finished another day of testing in Formula One. Two weeks from now, Formula One kicks off. And so uh, I want to talk about the test because – we had some we had some exhibition of what might actually happen because, you know, the first test, you you know, the first week, everybody's just getting out there, making sure, sure the cars can get around the track. But we started to see some speed. In fact, uh, I want to talk about the fastest laps from everybody out there because a little bit surprising. And I know that they don't show all of their cards now. <laughs> right. But Les, you got the list in front of you. Who was the fastest? Was it Mercedes as expected? Well, you know, by the end of Ferrari. Yeah. Was out there, surprising a little bit. And so, a little, uh, anyway, you know that was that was surprising. There's a lot of debate. Did Ferrari make up the difference? Did Mercedes not improve over the winter? Things of that nature are going on. Uh, so there's some real interesting things. There's a great article. Check out F1.com for a great article comparing the 18 Mercedes versus the 18 Ferrari. Uh, the dimensional differences and things that they can. Uh, share out of that pretty interesting stuff there really techy though yeah and so the fastest lap for the all of the winter testing was set by sebastian vettel uh 117.1 and then right behind him at 117.2 was Kimi raikkonen and then uh, fernando alonso at 117.7 so i mean obviously i know mercedes uh, is, is probably sandbagging like everybody is to some degree yeah, I don't think they are, actually, uh, to be honest. I don't. In this day and age, there isn't time to sandbag, in my opinion. Um, I think that we don't have the genuine... I mean, two, two, two weeks of testing does not make uh, you up, to, up, up and ready, and you won't be ready by Australia. That's kind of the nature of, of the game. Um, the art, there is a completely new look to the cars. There are new rules. Uh, there's this halo. Um, so this is probably one of the hardest years to get ready for Formula One in Australia. Um, and so I don't even think the Australian Grand Prix will actually give us a true indication of necessarily who is going to win the title or dominate this year. And I actually don't think, uh, what I've taken away from the test is I don't think anybody will dominate. I certainly don't think that Mercedes' advantage that they've had for several years now is still in place. I think Ferrari have, as they have done last year, and have they done it again, have caught up. And I also think that Red Bull and McLaren will be factors. And I say and McLaren because now McLaren have the same equipment as Red Bull. Uh, and there's no reason that they shouldn't be where they used to be, which is at the sharp end. So, um, you know. All right. Well, you just named your top four. Well, who's number five? Haas. There you go. That's what I was hoping you would say. And you know what? I just read an article on Sky Sports. They said the same thing, which has got to be hard for the Brits to say that, right? <laughs> yeah. now, you know, yeah, now you know why he was choked up a little bit earlier yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, Look, we're not that bad <laughs> Hey, you know, we, we talked about some things with Magnuson, Kevin Magnuson last week And you know, he's, he's really showing he's a thinking man You know, last week talk, we talked about the view out from under the halo And how that may play into, a play, into effect at Al Rouge or even turn one Here at Coda, yeah Yeah, and here is... Yeah, here he is. He was the fifth spot. And the fact that Sky Sports will even acknowledge that. Fifth fastest lap time of the yeah. of the entire winter testing was from Kevin Absolutely. Magnuson. Absolutely, on Supersofts. So everybody before him was on Hypersofts. And then you had Toro Rosso with uh, Pierre Gasly was on Hypersofts behind him. 
Did anybody try the ridiculous soft tire? I haven't seen I that. I haven't seen I, that ridiculously I, soft. I, I think actually, uh, yeah, Grosjean tried the Abba Dabba Dabby, Yabba Dabba Doo soft. <laughs> um, but no. <laughs> what? I mean, hyper soft, super Don't soft, ultra soft. I, I, what, is this moisturizer? <laughs> <laughs> and so good for your skin. <laughs> My Pirellis. I, I, right now, if you ask me to name the nine levels of Pirelli softness of that, tires. That, there's a competition there. Yeah. Anybody who can call in right now and give us Careful all nine say. will get a free dinner with Les Kaiser. But you're buying. I mean, really, nine? Do we really need? All right, whatever. So anyway, Les, your point was that Kevin Magnuson, obviously he had some controversy last year and some other drivers pissed off at him. But he set the fifth fastest time of the winter testing. I like Kevin Magnuson. Yeah, I do too. Uh, we've had him in the booth as well. He's a good, likable guy, very knowledgeable. I think uh, I don't think he's really shown his personality for the TV cameras when we see him being interviewed. But uh, I like him. His dad, I remember covering his dad's era, was just as controversial. He was fast as furious. I mean, just brilliant driver in his day. Uh, back, I remember back in his Formula 3 days, I mean, Jan Magnussen was a force to be reckoned with. And he still is, of course, in IMSA. Um, but there was no, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't take prisoners and nor does his son. He is a chip off the old block for sure, as is Carlos Sanz Jr. Yeah. The, uh, you know, back to our color and tire compounds. I've got that chart for us. We're going to put up a color chart in the booth nowadays. <laughs> okay, good. Guys, yeah, because orange is hard. I don't know what we're going to relate that to. Medium is white. Soft is yellow. Super soft is red. I don't know about that. I can sing a rainbow. <laughs> you can't sing, but yes. Ultra soft, purple. Then there's the mega soft. Hyper soft, extreme soft, as they call it, and it's pink. Well, of course. So, so wait, extreme is more than hyper? No, is softer. It, it is one line item of mega soft slash hyper soft slash extreme <laughs> soft is pink. Somewhere there's a joke there. Intermediate <laughs> is green. Several of them. <laughs> and wet is blue. Can I can I do my South Texas? If you really want to know what they are, they're black and round. <laughs> Oh, man. One you hole know, in the middle. That's well, right. Why, why, how about a, a hard tire, a soft tire, and a rain tire? It would make sense, wouldn't it? Oh, it would be nice. You crazy. know, I mean, quite honestly, I thought that when they came out, are we getting too crazy over these tires? Can we just knock it down to three or four of them, throw the intermediate, throw a wet in there, and go race, drivers? Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll give you a medium. How about that? Hey, guys, I want to, before we go to the break and talk about IndyCar and, and that Alexander Rossi into, man, that was crazy. But uh, I want to talk about Formula 2 and GP3 because we got some Americans in there. Yes, we do. Uh, in fact, I've just spent six weeks with one of them, Juan Manuel Carrera. Um, from He's originally from um, uh, Ecuador. Excuse me. He's originally from... Uh, I'm trying to think where he's from. Um, not Venezuela. Anyway, he's from South America, but he grew up in the, in the, U uh, in the U.S. Down in Florida. Yonder. And he, in fact, lives in Florida and has been a world kart champion in his day. Um, great guy. Um, probably on one the show. Of the, yeah, we've yeah. had him on the show. He's been in the Toyota Racing Series where he was pretty successful. He didn't win um, the whole series, but he had he had some race wins. 
Um, he's doing GP3 this year. And, of course, Ryan Tavita, who we've had on the show many times, also um, another graduate from Toyota. Uh, but um, good Santino. guy. Uh, ex, uh, yeah, ex-Carlin. Uh, and oh, Santino yeah. Ferrucci, Tavita, of course. Yeah. Um, Ferrucci now still connected to the Haas team, and he'll be doing GP2. And, in fact, was um, literally plucked out of GP3 last year and then put in GP2. So much is the interest in this American kid. Uh, I think of those three... He's the most likely to make it quickly, uh, and I need, and I tell you what, if you don't know anything about Santino, he is, he's the real deal. Um, he talks the talk and walks the walk and drives the drive. He is really on it. Uh, he's a really cheeky chap. He's fun to be with. We've had him in the commentary booth. He's a great commentator. Yeah, he is. Um, but I think that. Um, you know, everybody's given. I mean, remember all the the dialogue about Haas not picking an a form an American, right, to yep. be in Formula One. Well, you know, I mean, Gunter Steiner's right. There isn't an American per se um, that, is, that has a own. super license. Yeah, that, that has a super license, and any one of Joseph Newgarten, uh, or, you know, Sebastian Bourdais already been a Formula One driver. Jordan King, now in Indy, uh, was a Formula One driver. So, you know, it's not a lack of talent. And I'm, I'm talking about the IndyCar series rather than Jordan King's obvious English. But what I'm getting at is there was a lot of controversy that, that Haas picked up because they said there wasn't any good Americans. And, of course, there are. But they don't have a super license and they're racing here. Whereas Santino, like Alexander Rossi, went to Europe as a youngster and has learned his craft and has stayed in Europe and is now going through the ranks to make it to Formula One if he can. Yep. All right, guys, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to finish that story that we talked about at the beginning of the show with Sebastian Bourdais and his pathway from that horrific crash. Uh, but we're also going to talk a lot about the Alexander Roth, Rossi and Robert Wickens. Man, he was leading the race in IndyCar and, and the way that ended up. And, of course, we're going to get Sebastian Bourdais' opinion on that. So stick with us through the break. You're listening to Speed City Live in Austin, Texas, back after these messages. The Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only MV Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by MV Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Mosing Motorcars is Texas's only authorized dealer for Superformance products. Superformance's Mark III is the only Cobra replica built under license from Carroll Shelby. There's no finer example of a Cobra around. Mosing and Superformance is your supplier for all the great race cars of history. The GT40, the Mark III Cobra, the Corvette Grand Sport, and the Shelby Cobra Daytona Coupe. Mosing Motorcars, 2420 West Breaker Lane, online at mosingmotorcars.com. Superformance and Mosing Motorcars, drive yourself happy. Dirtfish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education from 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. 
Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe on the road, or better, at the racetrack. Feel confident behind the wheel, no matter the situation, no matter what you've done, or where you've done it, or how well you've done it. We'll make you better. Hi, this is Michael Zweiback, driver of the number two discount tire Porsche. Welcome to Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City, presented by Mosing Motor Cars. All right, at the top of the show, we talked about the IndyCar driver, Sebastian Bourdais, is going to be on the show here in just a second. And talking about the incredible race that was today. Before we jump right into that interview, just a second, though, Jonathan, talk about the um you know go ahead and set up this interview let's go ahead and play this because it's it's really amazing his story and everything yeah today was the first uh round of the indy car series for 2018 and it's always uh, perennially in um saint petersburg around the streets of saint petersburg um all new cars for this season new aero package uh the car's running a lot closer we won't really see the full extent of that until we get to an overall which will be next at phoenix um and i think it makes the indy 500 even more mouth-watering because basically the 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 aero package has allowed you to race much closer but also um the cars have got less downforce and so therefore we were really seeing the skills of the drivers on a basically uh street circuits it's actually an airport as well um and that we, there was a lot of um slippy paint work etc etc scott dixon was caught out uh the eventual um race outcome was decided by a mistake um between robert wickens who was making his debut uh brilliantly the canadian um, in Indy, led the most laps, but was taken out in the penultimate lap by Alexander Rossi in quite a controversial way, uh, which has got a lot of um, uh, feedback uh, across <laughs> the social media and on all the websites, and there are lots of opinions. But I think the best opinion of all is the man who was closest to it, and that, of course, is Sebastian Bourdais, because he was in third at the time of the restart and watch it all unfold. It was his first win after a hellacious track uh, crash at the Indy 500 qualifying last year, uh, and it was at home um, in St. Petersburg. So I spoke to him, still in his overalls, straight after uh, what was probably one of the most memorable victories of his career. I am so, so happy. I'm still grinning from watching that race. So, so happy for you, my friend. It was definitely not boring to watch, I'm sure. <laughs> Listen, um, last time we spoke, or last time I saw you, uh, and I kind of want to take you back before we start talking about the race, um, was at the Indy 500 when you walked into the pits um, after coming out of hospital, in my way, in my mind, miraculously in some ways. But um, it was a very emotional day then. Today's very emotional. If you can, just start by saying, imagine that day before the Indy 500 and now today. Tell me about the journey. Yeah, it has been you know quite a, quite a journey, and uh, you know obviously it was one thing. It was family and in many different ways. Um, and uh, at the end of the day, this is uh, this is what I do. This is my life, and uh, you know we kind of uh, made it work and came back uh, in the game two and a half months later, and uh, just pretty much like I said, and um, yeah, just went from there and eyes forward and prepared for 2018, and here we are in. Uh, at the season opener in St. Pete at home, repeating the, the win from last year. So it doesn't get any better than that. 
I was about to say, yeah, I'm sure family, friends, everything. I mean, it's just down the road from where you live. Um, it must have made it even more special, yeah? Yeah, it is. I mean, when you win in front of friends and family and, you know, you got, I got really got embraced by the community and they really make me feel, uh, you know, their own and uh, to, to belong here. And, uh, you know, it's just, a, it's just a great feeling. And at the end of the day, um, it, you know, it's also the first time that Jimmy and Soli are the first race that uh, they are with uh, Delcon Racing and bringing some big name sponsors like Sailmaster. And, you know, every single one of the franchises was here this weekend for their annual convention. They were here at the race in the suite and, uh, you know, just, just kind of a, a daydream, really. Tell me a little bit about the race because, like you say, it was packed with incident and. Um... I, I guess we almost got more than we expected, but I think a lot of it perhaps was to do with the new car, the less, the lack of uh, a comparative downforce from last year, uh, the new aero package. First and foremost, how is the car to drive? Uh, it's it's tough, man. It, it is uh, it's definitely very lively. It's less forgiving, and and uh, in the meantime, it's a lot less turbulence when you're behind someone. I think that just kind of let guys to try and, and make stuff happen and, and they really didn't wait they didn't give it any time to try and figure it out they all went for it and when i saw how crazy the start was and all the subsequent restarts i was like man this is this is chaos so from there i took i took the opposite approach i really took the conservative uh, safe approach uh, the kind of the road kind of opened up in front of us after once the race kind of settled in and uh, and we went from there, but uh, it was just absolutely stupid out there. There was so many incidents, and um, you know, I was I was just trying to you know hit my fuel number and go as fast as I could, stay out of trouble uh, through all the, the 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 ups and downs of the race and and all the restarts and the yellows and whatnot. And uh, and all of a sudden, we're leading the race. We were mixing it up uh, with the guys who are on a different strategy, and and we look like we're going to finish third. And next thing you know, there's that last safety car five laps from the end or something and it's just oh really are we gonna do this <laughs> and uh and yeah i mean it, it turned you know it turned great for us i i i mostly kind of secured my third place and the next thing you know they're the two guys are obviously fighting it off for the win and, and they're going for the kill and and none of them made it um so really really obviously disappointed for robert but you know we'll take it man Tell, tell me about the incident, because you were right behind it. You got the best view of all. Um, obviously, Rossi was going for it. It makes sense. He, you know, he had to make one go at it. But it was a place where it seemed that it was slippy all day or all weekend. Scott Dixon went round there. Uh, the paint on the inside was slippy. Is it something you were aware of? Yeah, it's been slippery the whole time. And I think it, it got even worse as the race went on, because you see the, the paint rubbered up through the race online, and then the inside got, you know, significantly more slippery than the line so uh you know i think uh, and and it was at a restart where we were really all struggling with uh you know switching the tires back on and, and cleaning them off and so to be honest with you that's why i was just just kind of hanging back because i really did not feel comfortable giving it a go and 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 i really didn't want to ruin the result um so when i saw them both going for it i was like well that that's going to probably be ugly and i'm just going to try and be no part of it and uh, and i got my you know wish uh, uh coming true so <laughs> couldn't couldn't ask for anything any better to be honest i mean i understand your conservative strategy given the race but you also were in a position with five laps to go with a lot more push to pass than the two guys in front of you was there a thought with you and your engineer that you might sort of go okay 
I, I got I got some push to pass here. I'm going to try in the last last couple of laps anyway. Yeah, but not at the restart because at the restart you can't use the push to pass anyway. Right. It's not allowed anymore uh, you know, until that la very last one. So yeah, it, it really wasn't that much of a factor. And, and like I said, I mean sometimes to try and secure a third place, which was kind of a bit of a miracle, was was fine. And uh, you know sometimes when you the, the enemy of uh, good is better. So you know. We, I was going to settle for good, and I, I got better. So <laughs> I'll take it. Listen, before the race, you told the reporters, you know, you felt 100% fit, and you look it, obviously. Um, but you've had probably the, one of the most grueling tests you could possibly have today with all the restarts, with all the, you know, drama. How do you feel in terms of your physical uh, status? Yeah, pretty good. I got uh, got blisters on both hands, but that's got nothing to do with, uh, <laughs> with the... With my physical status, uh, no, I felt really fine in the car. Um, so no, it's it's all it's all good. And that's that's rock and roll. Roll the next one. Exactly. So on to Phoenix next. What are you feeling? I mean, obviously this is the perfect start, uh, and it could have gone differently, but you would have still had a third place out of out of the race result. So are you and the team, your engineer, the package? Do you feel that you guys have got got to grips with it and you're ready to go? I mean, it's an oval next, so it's very different. Yeah, I, I don't think we had it quite perfect for Phoenix. I think we, we had speed for uh, one lap uh, on the race stream. I think we're definitely uh, missing grip. So I know the guys are thinking long and hard about, you know, what we're going to go back with. So it's still to be uh, determined. But, uh, um, you know, as far as the strict course package is concerned, we gave it our first go this weekend. I think we were looking for about two or three times to really get there and get the balance dialed in. Uh, didn't quite go through all the stuff that we want to go through, but uh, you know we'll, we'll keep trying to learn through the season and, and hopefully uh, keep on uh, getting it better. And Seb, just for our audience, I mean you're you're new to Speed City, but we've got a, a good following. Just remind people because you were in a horrific accident before the 500. Tell us what happened, what you injured, and 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 the fact that uh, you managed to kind of effectively re rehabilitate to today. Yeah, it was uh, it was a really nasty crash. Obviously, on the Saturday of uh, of qualifying, uh, and in the third lap, we're in full mile an hour faster on the first two than than the, in the opposition. We're we're gonna take pole on that uh, on that fast nine, and uh, unfortunately, you know, things uh, things got sideways. I, I got a little wiggle in turn one, which I didn't really think much of it because that was the first of the whole week, and then uh, got in turn two, and the thing got away from me, and uh, and I hit the wall at 227, uh, with was not too bad an angle, which probably saved my life as much as the ONS device and, and the safer wall, but uh, it was a nasty crash and uh, ended up with a broken pelvis, broken hip and broken femur, uh, some ribs and stuff. So it, was, uh, it wasn't very good, but uh, you know everything healed up very nicely and uh, I was back in the car two and a half months later. So like, uh, like we, we said, it was uh, quite a journey, but uh, you know, very happy with uh, the way things turned out and uh, very happy that obviously I didn't hang up the helmet because that was never... Uh, that was never a consideration, but that's that's what some people were thinking that was going to happen. I, I seem to remember one of the nurses was like, "Right, get up, Sebastian. Let's get you walking. As soon as the operation was over, let's get you out of bed." So I bet you're pretty thankful yeah. that she did all that, yeah? Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, on that Sunday morning, the hospital when I was still in ICU, I wasn't too impressed with the nurse, <laughs> with the physio coming to me and saying, "All right, let's get up now." I'm like, really? <laughs> I'm looking at my leg and I'm like, I'm fine, you know, I think you're, you're in the wrong room. She's like, no, no, we're, we're getting you up right now. I'm like, oh, geez, come on. It's, it's not even been 12 hours. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was quite, uh, quite intense. And, uh, you know, it uh, also puts uh, your, 
uh, I guess your motivation to the test, and uh, you know, I'm glad uh, I'm glad we we didn't leave anything on the side. Well, Seb, I know you're tired. You've done a lot of interviews, but just final thoughts. Uh, what does this mean to you and Dale Coyne's uh, racing operation? Because it is it is a dream come true to be able to do it at home and at the start of the season and 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 basically tell the world that you're back. No, I mean it means a lot. Obviously, the, the community really embraced me, and, and uh, you know. I, I really try and give as much back as possible, and uh, you know they they really make me feel uh, you know that I belong, and, and it's awesome you know to win at home and, and be able to uh, to get out of here with the championship lead is, is no joke, and uh, like we said, uh, this is the first race with uh, Soli and Jimmy uh, uh, joining uh, joining Dale on the marketing and commercial side, bringing some big name sponsors, so really uh, really an awesome uh, an awesome way to start the, the relationship and the season. Well, listen, thanks for talking to us, Seb. As you would say, merci beaucoup et bonne chance for the rest of the season. Um, so happy for you today. Well done, mate. Thank you very much. Yeah, amazing, uh, amazing comeback, amazing win. Really incredible race today with all that. So there's great, a lot. Great story for him. Yeah, there's a lot more to talk about this. I want to get both of y'all's take on this, on the win and, of course, the, the crash week. with Rossi and oh, Wickens. Yeah, yeah I'm going to say the other big story is that Wickens really should have won the race yeah. in his debut. In his <laughs> debut, yeah. Well, there's a lot more to talk about this, but up next, we're going to take a little break from IndyCar because we got a gentleman who's, who's called in and we're going to talk to him in just a minute. We got Bud Moeller who's going to join us and talk oh, about yeah. his 2003 F1 car that he took out on Coda today with the rest of the Ferrari Fun team. little play toy. Yeah, all right. You're listening to Speed City live in Austin. We'll be back after these messages. racetrack it's where legends are born where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance such are the nameplates you'll find at aston martin of austin lotus of austin bentley austin and rolls-royce motorcars austin exotic iconic automobiles whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey because you're never just along for the ride highway 183 north of mcneil road Dirtfish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education from 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe on the road, or better, at the racetrack. Feel confident behind the wheel, don't matter the situation, no matter what you've done, or where you've done it, or how well you've done it, we'll make you better. Hi, I'm JD Beach, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City, presented by Mosing Motor Cars. I look around the studio and every, watch everybody when J.D. Beach comes on. Yeah, Jiggy Dog. You can't help but have a huge smile oh, about J.D. Beach. He's great. <laughs> All right, Les, I want you to introduce our next guest because I know you and Bud go back a ways. Hey, we do. You know, and uh, I got to say, Bud was one of our first guests with Speed City six years ago. When wow. We went, when uh, Circuit of Americas was still in dirt just about. Still and, in diapers. Uh, just about. And, uh, you know, it, it's been great. Bud is a great guy to know as far as just knowing about the history of F1. Uh, he doesn't just uh, preach Formula One. He doesn't preserve the history of it. He races it. <laughs> Bud, welcome back to Speed City. Great to be back with you guys. 
Hey, so uh, great to have you, bud. You had a great weekend out, and uh, you know I was out for the Ferrari Challenge, picking up on that and having a great time. There's a whole collective group, or uh, I don't know what to call it, audience that races. I mean, these are race fans and racers themselves getting out there. Can you give us a little nutshell of what this weekend is like, and and who are those people out there? <laughs> sure, Ferrari uh, does a group of events in multiple countries. Um, that are focused on primarily gentleman drivers is probably the best way to put it. And I think with the people that race in my group, at least, I would certainly call them gentlemen. Um, <laughs> but the thing that uh, attracts, I think, the most attention and as a full race series is the 488 Challenge. Mm. And those guys, I think they had something like 50 cars across multiple groups this weekend at COTA. And uh, some are amateur, some are in the professional category, some are driving slightly older cars. And uh, they all get out there and uh, unfortunately pound some of that beautiful Ferrari machinery into uh, uh, bits and pieces that need to be repaired. <laughs> but uh, it's always always great to watch them. It is, it's kind of, if you can imagine the blend between NASCAR and haute couture, you end up with <laughs> Ferrari Challenge. That is perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not always uh, not always pretty, I'll say, but uh, it is a great weekend of racing. You know, this is one that Speed City was promoting. It's it was free to attend. You park in lot A. You sit in the grandstands and look across to the paddock and the. Uh, garage lanes there and it is absolutely phenomenal and you had things everywhere from the i saw 458s out there i saw 488s i saw the fantastic new fx x class huh. and even so there was an fx xk is that correct bud yes so now you're starting to move towards my end of the garage <laughs> we have what are called these uh, xx cars they are theoretically they're sort of experimental vehicles they took two Ferrari supercars, the Enzo and now more recently the LaFerrari, and cranked them up into being great race cars with, you know, slicks and wings and big diffusers and traction control and all kinds of cool things. So in that LaFerrari racing version called the FXXK, it's over a thousand horsepower because it's a hybrid with an eight hundred and something horsepower motor and another hundred and fifty to two hundred in electric motors on the wheels. So those guys are really you know, that kind of state-of-the-art technology. And then the original one in that XX program was the Enzo, and uh, they turned that into a race car, and it still goes pretty well around there. So, Bud, what you're telling us is that you take probably the greatest road car that you can buy right now and turn the knob up even to 11. Up to 11. There you go. <laughs> yep. It's uh, Spinal Tap all over, right? You know, I mean, it's, I always talk about these being their supercars on steroids because it is – more power, more grip, more everything. And in the middle of those two is the 599XX, which was based on the GTO. Wow. I got asked a question. I've been watching Ferrari Challenge for a long time. And, and of course, the Ferrari Challenges around the world, there's a lot of them. Um, but I always think to myself, I know, I know you guys can afford your cars, but is there a little bit of annoyance when somebody is just not as polite as they possibly can, given that you're risking... A fair amount of bodywork damage and a fair amount of bills if if this guy doesn't drive very well. Do you know what I'm saying? I absolutely do. And that's, you know, I mean, I, Ferrari have wanted me to get into the Challenge Series on and off for 20 years, and I've always refused because it, it, it is a bit of a, 
variable field. You've got some people who are brand new to racing and others who have, you know, been out there for a while and they're trying to get somebody to notice them. And unfortunately, mm. you know, crashing is not a great way to get noticed. But uh, I was talking to one of the guys who drove in the series today and he said, you always have to remember two rules. Rule number one is when you're coming up to pass somebody, assume they don't see you. And rule number two is when you get up next to them, assume they're trying to kill you. That's <laughs> wise. That's, that's kind of yeah, like the, yeah. uh, you know, that's why I taught my daughters to ride motorcycles on the street. <laughs> yeah, that's a good Expect point. them to kill you. So, uh, well, fantastic. But I got to highlight one thing. So, you know, yes, I loved all those that we've just spoken about. But the highlight of the weekend for me was standing out on wall and seeing Bud blow by in a 2003 F1 car. Oh, my gosh. What? Yeah. Yep. Powered with that screaming 18,000 RPM V10. Oh, man. That makes the Formula One noise that we all love and miss. Yes. Could you record it for us and we can play it on the show once I a week? I think I've got it. I think I've got it. <laughs> okay, good. Let's. Les may have it. There are so many people hanging out over the pit wall. <laughs> you know, there's no room for the guys to put out a pit board if I have trouble there because there's so many people with their cameras. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, having this, you know, absolutely fantastic Formula One car at this track, Coda, was my dream come true. I've driven Coda, I don't know, a half a dozen times in support races to the Formula One weekend, but we've never had this car out until this weekend, so it was really phenomenal. But i got to ask you, what's it like? I mean, I'm giddy just listening to you, uh, driving a Formula One car, and how loud is it when you're right behind or your head is right in front of that engine? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've been driving F1 cars for about 25 years. I started in some uh, older ones in the, from the 70s and 80s and still actually run those in a racing series in North America. Um, and, and, again, we're usually supporting the different Grand Prix and, and we're at big vintage events. But the 03 car probably turns a lap about 15 to 20 seconds faster than the older F1 cars. And as you can imagine, in racing, 20 seconds is an eternity. Yeah. But you got to realize what's changed since 03. Tires, well, lubricants, yeah. 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 all of that. And yeah, so, good point. You know, he's right. You can turn a lap faster now in that 03 car than they did in 03. Wow. And not even be pushing as hard anymore. And so it, it uh, gosh, the lap times are amazing. But uh, I'm, I'm going to pause right here and get Casey to run this quick little sound for us. And we're just going to reminisce back to 2003. Ooh. So there you go. Ah. That was today? That was yesterday. <laughs> I was out there. That was Bud and some of his friends uh, making some haste around that oh, track. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, the high, the high pitch one was probably me. That lower pitch one might have been the V8 car. Yeah, Which still, you know, still. still turns good number of teens RPM, but uh, just doesn't quite make that same scream. Hey, Bud, I know that you. I don't know if you want to talk about it, but you get now. You got my interest peaked about lap times in that car out of Coda. Can you talk about that? I can, and unfortunately, um, you know, we had cool temps on the first day Friday. Saturday was so hot we didn't get to make as much power out of the engine as we wanted, and today was super windy and cold. So. Yeah didn't do quite so well, but I think the best time we turned today, uh, sorry, yesterday, 
was uh, 147. Holy wow, that, that's good. I mean, what? <laughs> the, the, it, last year, what was it, 137? 130? 134, I think, is yeah. what Hamilton's doing. So, wow. But, yeah, but don't, <laughs> don't forget that the 134 includes the DRS wing and the boost. Yep. And, you know, they've got a lot of aids, as, as you said, with technology and things that have been added on. But the important thing to note is that until 2017, when they widened the tires, increased the arrow, those cars did not lap faster than the 2003 and 2004 Ferraris. So yeah. it's taken them, you know, almost 15 years yep. to come back to the levels that they used to be at. What about the speed on the back straight, bud? You know, I never got a chance to take a look at my telemetry, but we were yeah. definitely <laughs> too busy in focusing. Upper, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm a little busy, <laughs> but we were definitely in the uh, the the high end in uh, seventh gear, so. Um, I'm guessing probably close to 200 before we break the back straight. Wow. That's but more, amazing. more impressive than that is we break at the 80 meter mark. Oh. Oh. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's, it's where you can actually start to see the dirt marks on the uh, orange berm there in the center, and all of a sudden you're slamming the brakes and, and making the turn. So it's, the, it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, you that, see the bolts in the, in the fence on the other side. That's <laughs> time to hit the brakes. Or as the great Kevin Schwantz, uh, our local hero, motorcycle racer, used to say, see God and back off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But guys, but I, I got you know, Just to, to put this car in perspective, you know, we, we have had this uh, big Ferrari program come to the U.S. several times. And at every single track until this year at Coda, we have broken the track record with my car. Wow. <laughs> well, your car is really special. Uh, I haven't even said anything about the background of it, but, but go back to 2003 and give us a little history of this car. Yeah, this was driven by Rubens Barrichello. As you <laughs> remember back in that era, wow. um, Schumacher won championships five years in a row, and, and Rubens was, you know, the the good guy soldiering behind. So the car has no wins, but it did race in five of the Grands Prix in, in 2003, including Monaco and Spain and a couple of others. So it's got some good races and good finishes on it, but uh, it is identical to the car of the day. It is the exact car. Engine and transmission have been rebuilt, um, but everything else, bodywork and everything is absolutely original. But this is so amazing that you're going to allow your favorite radio host to drive this car. I mean, I really you can't. can't <laughs> you can't, can't wait to get out so there. Generous of me. Yeah, isn't it? You can't fit. So that obviously that knocks it back to me. Thanks. <laughs> but uh, but this is such a cool series, and you know, I've heard you say it's a it's the fastest museum on the track, 200 mile per hour racing museum in action, and that's yeah. what I love about it. It's not behind velvet ropes or anything. Well, Bud Mo, no, you're we, headed to uh, Georgia next week, isn't that correct? Yep, we're off to Road Atlanta in a few more days, and uh, the show goes there. Not the Challenge guys, they're off on a different schedule, but we and the XX cars will all be there just doing test days and pounding out the laps. Uh, the interesting thing about Road Atlanta is I think uh, neither F1 nor Indy has ever been there. The fastest lap is held by an LMP1, and already our, our uh, driving coach, Mark Janae, has said, to me and one other guy that one of the two of us is probably going to come away with a lap record there this week, this uh, coming week. So I'm looking forward to that. You know, not, not a bad driving that, that would be, That <laughs> would make sense because, you know, here at Coda, I think the LMP1 cars are about that, about 10 seconds off the F1 car. So in that, probably in that 147-ish range. So 
I bet yep. it's pretty similar to, I mean, and think about the technology that's in an LMP1 car and that your car is as fast as one of those. That's crazy. Yeah, and especially given that mine's just an old horse, you know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I got one question for you, but I've always been intrigued by this. What's the hardest thing when you're dealing with effectively a vintage Formula One car? What's the hardest thing, uh, part-wise, to maintain or or actually get your hands on? Um, because obviously, they're you know that that car was built in in Italy, and I, I just wonder, you know, what where where do you get your parts? Well, the good news is because the Ferrari factory runs this series, they provide all the mechanics. And those guys have all of the forms and, you know, drawings and spare parts, you know, to some degree for these cars. Um, and they will either, you know, find it or make it to be able to put the cars uh, back together. It's not cheap, wow. unfortunately. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, they do their best to maintain the cars because we essentially are brand ambassadors. I mean, we go yeah. out there, we run these demo laps, break track records. The brand gets a great uplift. The crowds love it. They never get to see F1 cars in real life and hear you know, we actually let some people come and sit in them and take pictures. So it's fabulous for the fans, fabulous for the brand. And for Ferrari, these these guys, I have a dozen guys that take care of my car when I'm there. Those are apprentices, and the best of them are going to move up to the traveling F1 team. Well, that's cool. Ah, the wow. guys that, yeah, and the guys that get burned out from that come out, and they're the masters that are training the apprentices. Ferrari would have to do that anyway, so they subsidize this to some degree because we're a training platform for their guys. So I think everybody wins. Yeah, that's, that's very cool. cool. Yeah. I never would have imagined, yeah. Yeah, what a great way to, you know, teach the young guys and uh, and let the old guys share their knowledge. I love that. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, every every year I have a crew chief who's the same throughout all, you know, eight to ten events. And the younger guys rotate around every single year. I never see any, two of them, you know, two years in a row. They're all off to something else, either in the factory or with the F1 team. So it's, uh, you know, it's a great experience for them and, and super fabulous for us as well. Well, fantastic. Again, uh, we're talking about the Ferrari Challenge that took place this weekend. Great collection of Ferraris, especially the historics. And uh, be sure and keep an eye out. Speed City will let you know when they come around again. Bud Moeller, travel safe. And thanks again for a great entertainment value this weekend out of the Circle of the Americas and certainly joining us here. Well, my pleasure as always, and uh, hope we'll catch up again sometime down the road. Absolutely. Have a great season, bud. Thanks Travel a lot, bud. safe, buddy. Fabulous. Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye. You know, it's unusual for anybody to share lap times, and, and I'm, I, actually, I was really surprised. I thought he was going to say, like, one close to two minutes, yeah. so I'm surprised. Yeah. But What a great guy. Yeah, what a great oh, guy. Yeah. All right, guys, we are going to take a break. I hear the music, so let's do that. <laughs> so uh, when we come back, we're going to finish that conversation that we started about IndyCar because... Yeah. That's uh, too interesting to happen today to not to talk some more about. And what and, else, Jonathan? And text us if you think it was Wiccan's fault or Rossi's fault. Yeah, there you go. Text us in. You can actually text us at 512-643-5483. No, that's the call-in line. You can call us call if you us. Call us at that line or, or tweet Free at us. Free dinner with uh, Les. All right, we'll be back after these short messages. Listen to Speed City live in Austin.
Envy Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only Envy Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by Envy Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Bozing Motor Cars is Central Texas's source for classic performance cars. British, German, Italian, Japanese, and American. Ready for that special car you've always dreamed of? Bozing has you covered. Looking to sell a classic? Let Mosing handle all the details and get that special vehicle in the hands of the right buyer. Visit the showroom at 2420 Westbreaker Lane or call 512-821-9491 or browse the garage online at mosingmotorcars.com. Mosing Motor Cars. Drive yourself happy. You have made the right choice. Talk 1370. Hi, this is Gene Haas, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City, presented by Mosing Motor Cars. All right, I want to go back to the Indy car race today in St. Pete because if you're out there on social media, uh, Alexander Rossi, I would say just my quick anecdotal, I do not have a social media tool to tell me this, yeah. but my, my quick anecdotal look says it's about 70, 30, uh, saying Rossi should not have done it. And there's been pretty strong words out there. I mean, I've, I, I want to get first, let's, let's start with you. Let's get your take. What do you think? righty. Well, okay. My thoughts are if I'm back there in Rossi's spot and I'm positioned where he was the way he was. And you see that gap open up on the inside of the turn because you saw him do a little defensive move. Rossi made the second move, pulled up next, you know, was uh, closing in to be up next to him. By the time they got to the turn in point, Rossi was inside. Uh, I'm going to say it became posturing or, or kind of defensive to have them both go in at the same time where the leader got tagged and knocked out. I think that the leader should have known he was there at that time. He had earned his spot to be there by his side, and they were heading in. Rossi was too fast, wasn't going to make it, keeping his tires against the apex and all the way through the exit of that turn. But, you know, the paint on the track, which we all knew was there, we saw issues with it throughout the day, is what caused Rossi to slide so extremely and lose his line through that curve. I would have done it. Is it Rossi's fault it happened? Yeah, it is. But I would have done the same thing, hoping that the guy I'm about to pass is going to chicken out a little ways and give some way. Yeah, and how many drivers do you guys think would have gone for it? I mean, uh, most of them. In the, under those circumstances, absolutely. Um, having said that, you heard what Sebastian Bourdais said, which is why he's got four titles. And I don't mean that like Rossi shouldn't have gone for it, but he said in the own interview, he was right there. He knew how slippy it was. Now, Rossi has come out and said and on the IndyCar.com uh, site, you know, look, he he squeezed me, you know, uh, to the to, onto the marbles. Um, 
Uh, and he didn't lock up because he said, "Was your goose?" The, the, one of the reporters said, "Was your goose cooked?" And he said, "No, it was very rare." <laughs> he said, "In other words, I was in full control of the car." Um, so it's it's one of those racing incidents. I don't blame Rossi. Of course, he went for it. Um, but you hear Sebastian saying conservativeness says. Don't do it because it'll end in tears, and it did. Right. Um, my heart goes out to Robert Wickens, and I'm sure know, we know Alexander. Worst. He's a great friend of the show. Wickens earned he the win. Not, he's not a dirty driver, and he's certainly not, you know, um, would not have wished that on anyone. So. Yeah, and I'll read Alexander Rossi's tweet today. He says, proud of our podium today, thankful to my team. He says, Robert Wickens had a fantastic day, and he's absolutely the real deal. But I'm a racer, and I went for the win. So in conclusion, hashtag caution lights, hashtag push to pass, hashtag marbles. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, admittedly, Sebastian Bourdais talking about he has the best seat in the house, but he was talking about he saw what was going on and it was about to be mayhem, but... Uh, well, the truth is Rossi got away with it. Yeah. I, you know, he did get he, through. He didn't, and he, yeah, he, he got through. And got third. And got third and without a penalty from well, IndyCar. Interestingly enough, Dixon was given a penalty for the same kind of spin and taking Sato out, um, but he didn't get penalized. So, you know, watch off this. Well, the uh, the internet will continue to scream, yell, and debate. But I think, uh, for one thing's for sure, made for some great entertainment for the rest of us. The whole, to be honest. The whole day. To be honest. Way, even if they hadn't, you know, taken him out, it would have been a great race just watching that last lap come to. And, uh, okay, here's one last thing I'll throw in on that last lap. I want to... Yellow, green, two, one, finish. I don't want any more of these finishes under yellow flags. I want to race at least two laps under green to I finish agree. a race. Like NASCAR, yeah. yeah. I agree. I really like that rule. NASCAR got that right. Yeah. Well, uh, talking about getting it right, you know, I've been following Indy now for many years, and Indy's had a rocky past in terms of when the championship split, and everybody's, you know, and we've had the celebrations of the 100th running of the 500. I think that Indy is genuinely back. Young stars, ex-Formula One guys like Rossi and Jordan King coming in. Carlin with their own team, one of the best racing teams in the world. Um, again, another Max Chilton, another F1 guy. You've got Sato. You've got Dixon, who's still at the t height of his powers. Robert Wickens, who's who's done it all, a, a factory DTM driver, coming to race here in Indy. And a bunch of young youngsters uh, on the way up and coming from IndyCar Lights so or Indy Lights. And so... It really is back. They've got a great car, a great a package, and I think the car looks fantastic. It's back. Yeah, speaking of Indy Lights, we had uh, uh, Shelby Blackstock was in second. second. And, uh, yep. The, I forgot Colton Herter. Uh, yeah, but who won the race, though? It was uh, the gentleman who's in the booth with us last year, Formula One. I'm Kirkwood. Drawing, Kirkwood, Kyle Kirkwood. That was pretty cool, too. So uh, really? that was good to see. But See, folks, there's another chance. If we tell you to follow somebody young, <laughs> better do it. Yeah, Kirkwood was great in the booth, man. We had him uh, at the Formula One race when we were calling the play-by-play -play here on KJCE and it was that last pass that um, that uh, Max Verstappen did that he got to call that. It was really cool. Yeah, it was fun, kind of cool, wasn't it? Well, we're about out of time, but I definitely want to talk about Formula One some more because uh, stay tuned to Speed City because we're going to be ramping up our Formula One coverage. We're gonna and be, how. And how, <laughs> uh, yeah. We got some things that we're going to be... Or did you say and Haas? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be announcing that we're ha some things that we're going to be doing to ramp up our Formula One coverage, and it's going to be More really, than you've really ever had.
Yep. yep. It's going to be really... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That didn't sound like a Formula One car, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But actually, but actually dropped maybe. a cylinder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the eight-cylinder minus three. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, stay tuned. Uh, but, of course... Australia, two weeks' time. Yep. And MotoGP next week. That's right. MotoGP starts next week and uh, and uh, Formula One in two weeks on the 25th. And we're going to have wow. Kevin Schwantz here in the studio, I hope, if I can get him in. But uh, that's the plan. Um, the yeah, next weekend, Kevin champion. Schwantz yep. in studio, yeah. Yep. Uh, he'll be also down at, uh, there's a watch party at uh, the Circuit of the Americas. Um, so if you want to go see MotoGP live, get down there. Um, um, yeah, looking forward to it. All right, boys. Well, we're just about out of time. Of course, stay tuned to... What do you got, Les? One you, more story? Oh, no. I was just going to say thanks again, Bud Moeller, oh, on yeah. the oh, history yeah. lesson. Uh, great weekend with the Ferrari family out. Always enjoyed those invitations out there. Y'all follow up with them, too. And thanks to Sebastian Bourdais. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in to Speed City. Check us out on our website, of course, speedcitybroadcast.com, our Facebook, Twitter, and SoundCloud. And, of course, next Sunday night, as usual, 7 o'clock, right here, Speed City. Talk to you next week. Happy trails. Ciao, y'all. I ride the number 31 Yamaloop Graves Yamaha, and you're listening to Speed City. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.